Lakers Carpool is brought to you by Hook Products USA. Truck lovers, tow hook covers finally are here. Introducing Tokes, a first-of-its-kind tow hook cover that is a great way to personalize your truck's factory tow hooks. Tokes are made in the USA out of high-grade silicone rubber that clasps right over your truck's factory tow hooks so it installs in seconds and no tools are needed. With colors red, white, blue, pink, and amber, and costing just $34.95 per pair, Tokes are a unique and affordable way to customize your truck. Go to hookproductsusa.com and head over to the compatibility tool to make sure that Tokes will fit over your truck's tow hooks. After that, check out a super easy and your truck will be rocking its Tokes in no time. Again, that's hookproductsusa.com for Tokes, the original tow hook cover. Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. This is the second episode, second week of the Lakers offseason. Last episode, we talked a little bit about some guys the Lakers could go after and look at in the offseason, free agents that they could potentially bring in, what the Lakers should do with their roster to try and kind of revamp it, make it the most competitive that it could be to go up against teams like Denver that are that are going to probably be good for for quite some time now um so you know we talked a little bit about the lakers getting bigger moving anthony davis to the to the four again kind of like they used to do back in 2019 2020 time frame and even the season after that when they brought in marcus saul and there's there's been a few different things that have come up recently not necessarily about players the lakers are going after we also talked a little bit about the lakers top priorities going into the offseason should be bringing back Austin Reeves, doing whatever you can to bring back Austin Reeves. He was basically our third best player down the stretch and then doing whatever you can to bring back Rui Hachimura as well, who was a huge role player for the Lakers in the playoffs. He's a good, he's a big wing around six, eight, six, nine. He's proven that he can hit threes, at least during the playoffs. Um, He can fill in for LeBron. He can kind of play that role, attacking the basket, um, hitting some threes, playing defense, stepping up against big men. Um, You got to bring him back. So, those are those were kind of the two top priorities we talked about in terms of within the team for the Lakers to bring back. Talked a little bit about whether or not the Lakers should bring back D'Angelo Russell. Can they go after Kyrie Irving? All those types of situations. And um, you know, I I don't know. I feel I I, th- I just think the Kyrie Irving thing is just not very realistic. There is a possibility it could happen if Dallas wants to help. Kyrie leave with a sign and trade if Kyrie's willing to take less than a max deal to go to the Lakers which those two things alone just seem like big ifs and I and I don't see that happening but I mean anything's possible you never you never know so speaking of Kyrie Irving he came out earlier this week and mentioned that he wants LeBron James to come play with him in Dallas he says you know, he wants LeBron to do, you know, he wants the he wants the Mavericks to trade for LeBron so that he can play with LeBron. So you have Kyrie coming out saying that he wants to play with LeBron now. We've had LeBron come out and basically say that he wants to play with Kyrie. So it's um kind of likely that they, it seems likely that they'll end up playing with each other at some point. The thing is, LeBron's on a on contract for through next season, at least, I think. And in order for the Lakers to trade LeBron to Dallas they would need to get someone like 
Kyrie in return or Luca in return. And I just don't see the Mavericks doing that, especially for LeBron, who will be turning 39 years old early in the season next year in his 21st season. And yeah, LeBron and Kyrie pairing up together again sounds fun, but you you just don't you're not going to trade Luca for LeBron, a younger, albeit unproven, but a younger star for a guy that's bas- basically on his way out. But what I will say that's interesting about Kyrie voicing that he wants to play with LeBron again is it it could be that Kyrie is making it known he wants to play with LeBron, saying he wants LeBron to come to Dallas so as to not burn a bridge with the Mavericks and Mark Cuban. And, you know, you kind of put the onus on the Mavericks to make something happen if you're in your, you know, being in Kyrie's situation there, but you're not burning any bridges saying, I want to leave. But knowing that the likelihood of them actually trading for LeBron being very low, maybe that's that's a sign to the Lakers that Kyrie would, would be willing to do, um, you know, something to play. To, to come to the Lakers. Maybe he would take less money or whatever. But again, that still would, would require Dallas to do a sign and trade or, you know, or Dallas signs him and the Lakers would have to trade for Kyrie. So are you trading Anthony Davis? Like, how are you acquiring Kyrie Irving? It just doesn't, doesn't seem very realistic personally, although it's fun to think about. And the thing is, is I was pretty anti Kyrie Irving ever since these rumors have been coming out, you know, Kyrie won a championship with LeBron in 2016. And basically since then has been a problem wherever he's gone. You know, he got his way out of Cleveland. He goes to Boston, gets hurt, um, burns bridges, creates problems, goes to Brooklyn, gets hurt, burns bridges, creates problems, goes to Dallas. And he was only in Dallas for so long, you know, basically from the trade deadline on that, didn't really have time to burn bridges or get hurt, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at some point soon. You know, it just, there's a, there's an ongoing trend with Kyrie Irving. Like, do you, is it really worth the risk? I mean, he's a great basketball player. If you're getting just, and I think I talked about this probably on, a, on an episode not too long ago. If you're getting Kyrie, just the basketball player, hundred percent, I'll take it. Yeah. He's, he's an injury risk, but whatever. Like I would, I would be willing to, to have him on my team. Like he's going to make your team better when he's on the court. But he just seems like he's a cancer to any locker room he's been in with any team he's been on. And is that worth it? You know, I mean, maybe you you see it as a situation with LeBron. Like he only has he has a very limited time left with the Lakers. And you want to take advantage of it as much as possible if you're the Lakers and you want to win another championship. So maybe you take the risk. Maybe you're like, okay, we'll take the risk and bring in Kyrie um, so as to up our chances of winning a championship. But... But then knowing that, like, okay, LeBron, the time LeBron's time in LA is very finite. A few, two to three years, probably max is what I, I feel like it, it's at right now. And then at that point, you can kind of move off of you. I mean, you see where Kyrie's at, right? Like, if he's good and stuff, then maybe you keep building around him. And then worst case scenario, you move off of him and whatever. Like, you're kind of rebuilding after LeBron leaves anyway, just with how LeBron is kind of, um, kind of manages these teams right how he makes he wants to play with uh established veterans and he's going to make you trade away draft picks and he's going to have you trade away young guys to bring in certain guys and whatever and the lakers have done a good job they did a good job this this uh trade deadline of bring bringing in some depth and some young talent and all that stuff so 
that's part of the incentive of holding on to those guys, right? I talked about the upside of D'Angelo Russell in the last episode. He he had a tough Western Conference Finals, but he we Lakers don't get to the playoffs without him. You know, he's a, he's one of the better three point shooters we've had in quite some time. He can he can be a playmaker. He can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. And his defense isn't great, but but what he can give you offensively in theory is pretty good. He's just inconsistent. And sometimes he plays hero ball where he'll take an ill-advised three-pointer with, you know, within two seconds of the shot clock, things like that. So that's not great with D'Angelo Russell, but he's still he's still a good basketball player. Like, he's not worthless just because he had a bad Western Conference Finals. So there's still value in bringing him back, especially with the unrealistic situation of Kyrie Irving, right? Even in a sign-and-trade for Kyrie Irving, you have to – who are the Lakers trading for him, you know? You're trading D'Angelo Russell, and are you going to have to trade Jared Vanderbilt? Or who are you, you going to have to trade Rui Hachimura? Can you even bring Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura in if you if you trade for and sign Kyrie Irving? Like, it's just a very tough situation to to make that happen. So all that being said, it was interesting those comments about from Kyrie voicing that he wants to play with LeBron James, and and maybe that's a sign of the Lakers. Maybe the Lakers can make something happen. Maybe they can't. I mean, they, they most likely can't, but I thought that was pretty interesting. And there was also a video going around of Phil Handy picking up Kyrie Irving from the airport. And at first that got me like thinking like, oh, wow, maybe this is more real than, than I realized. But then I noticed some comments saying that, oh, this is like a year old video or something. So don't get tricked by it. Don't get tricked by these, these lies. Um, in terms of you know Austin Reeves, right? I've I've saw I've seen some some tweets and stuff that people and teams think that Austin Reeves is worth a hundred million dollar contract, and that the Lakers I think the Lakers have said or there's reports that the Lakers have said that they will they'll basically match any offer up to a hundred million dollars for Austin Reeves. I don't know how many years that would be, right? Like, is that a four year hundred million dollar contract, twenty five million a year? Is it five years, twenty million? You know, I, I'm not totally sure what that would look like, but you know, I've said it, I've said it before. And I said it in the last episode, you got to do whatever you can to bring Austin Reeves back. He's a second year guy undrafted and he's making, he, he, he didn't carry the Lakers, but he really had some huge games for the Lakers to get them all the way to the Western conference finals. And he played really well in the Western conference finals. He had a bunch of timely threes. He created opportunities offensively, created fouls, got to the foul line, all these different things. Like, sure. It's one, it's one example, right? But to do that in your only your second year is really impressive, especially playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He really knows how to create for himself, and and as long as he can keep knocking down those threes and knocking down big shots and and whatnot, like he's going to be worth having, you know, worth bringing back. And I think the Lakers probably, and again, people always love comparing Austin Reeves to Alex Caruso, just because they're white and like six four six five and we're undrafted you know the undrafted and the white guy i get it but they're so different they're so such different players austin reeves is okay defensively he's not a great defensive player whereas alex caruso was a really good defensive player a really good hustle player but he wasn't giving you much offensively right he's scoring like four points in a game four points a game maybe hitting a three maybe getting a layup or a put back dunk or something like that. You know, he's not, but he's not creating much offensively. He is stepping up for you defensively, which is, which was huge. That being said, I think that the Lakers, well, at least I hope, but I think that Rob Blinka learned a lesson in not bringing back Alex Caruso. 
I think he got a lot of flack from NBA fans. He got a lot of flack from Lakers fans specifically. Alex Caruso was a fan favorite, you know? You don't bring him back. Austin Reeves is now in that role. He's the fan favorite. He's the guy that people love because he's such he's like an underdog, but he just he's he's him, you know? And and so I think that the Lakers have learned their lesson and 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 we'll bring him back. And I think that they undervalued Alex Caruso's defense probably. Right? Like he didn't you look at his stats and you're like, yeah, he doesn't really bring that much to the table. So we're not gonna pay him a bunch of money or whatever. But you just can't it's hard to to put value on the intangibles, you know, the things that you don't see in the box score, the the defense and the the hustle plays and all that kind of stuff. That being said, I think the Lakers learned their lesson. I think that they'll do whatever they can to bring back Austin Reeves. Um, speaking of Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves announced that he's going to be playing for Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. So that's awesome. It'll be fun to have a, a Laker player, Laker player to support in the uh, FIBA World Cup. Um, and then also some things I saw around Twitter this week that the Lakers are unlikely to bring back Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba, which kind of makes sense. I kind of talked about this in the last episode. I feel like I could take it or leave it kind of, but at a certain point, like Mo Bamba for $10 million a year probably isn't really worth it. You know, I'd rather see Mo Bamba for like $4 million or $5 million, around the same the Jared Vanderbilt level, you know, maybe a little more than Jared Vanderbilt because he can, in theory, provide more offense than Jared Vanderbilt. Um but I was wondering if maybe they would hold on to Mobamba as like a big, a big off the bench, or even a big that you could try putting next to Anthony Davis. But it sounds like they're going to move off of him. There's probably guys out there that you can bring in that are better than Mobamba. And then same thing with Malik Beasley, right? Like Malik Beasley, he was one of these like lights out three point shooters around the NBA. Had like the most, I think, made three pointers in the league last season. And so we bring him in thinking like this is going to be great. He's going to be huge. He had some good games in the regular season for the Lakers, you know, where he there was one game in particular against the Pelicans where he hit like how many? What was it? He hit like he had well, maybe it was only five. It was the game where the Lakers hit a bunch of threes in the first half of the game, and he had like twenty five points or something like that. Um, you know, he had some good games shooting, but then the playoffs rolled around even towards the end of the season, and he just couldn't hit anything. He was lost out there offensively, couldn't hit any shots, couldn't play defense, and so he became unplayable. So it's one of those things where, like, bringing him back would be nice because, in theory, he's a good three-point shooter. You know, you get a full season of him. He gets comfortable playing with the Lakers, comfortable playing against or playing alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, and and maybe he eases in, eases back into his shot and, and becomes more consistent. But it's a risk, right? You can't pay him. I forget what his contract was, but you can't pay him, you know, upwards of, let me, let me just look it up. I, like in the 10 to $15 million range is just too much for that risk of like not knowing, not having a guy that you can play in the playoffs. Right. Like it's worth like, oh yeah. So he's, his salary is like 13 million a year, I think. This is for, that was for 2021. Yeah, so for this past season, fifteen point five million, and then next season a team option of sixteen point five million. That's just a lot of money to pay a guy that you can't play in the playoffs, you know. And again, maybe with a full season under his belt, with Darvin Ham, with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves and stuff, maybe he finds his his rhythm and he he gets that consistency down. But that's a lot of money to pay a guy that 
again, you can't, can't, can't play in the playoffs. So, um, wouldn't be surprised. I'm just not surprised by that news necessarily. The bummer didn't work out, especially with Malik Beasley because three point shooting is huge. We need it. Um, but again, there's guys around the league that we could bring in and, and maybe you move off of him. Maybe that creates some, some cap space or some, some space to pay someone like to bring in someone like Seth Curry or, or something like that. You know, there's, there's options out there. And, uh, and unfortunately, Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba are probably not part of are part of those uh, plans for the Lakers. Um, looking around the NBA, the Heat—I mean, the finals are happening right now. You know, the Heat in Denver, the Miami and Denver Heat and the Nuggets um, tied one-one. The the Nuggets won Game One. They won it by double digits. The Heat made a little bit of a push in Game One. Game two, the Heat were down, came like we've seen a bunch. They were down by around 9, 10 points, 11 points, made a push, got the lead, held the lead, ended up winning by three. They survived a, a Jamal Murray last second shot to try and tie it from three. And they've tied the game. They've stolen home, stolen home court in the finals against the big bad Nuggets. Pretty impressive. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before, like, I don't really care who wins. In one sense, as a Lakers fan, you kind of in you one perspective is like you want the team that beat you to win it all to kind of make you feel better about losing. In another instance, you want the team that beat you to lose because you're mad at them for beating beating you. And the thing is, like the Nuggets, I talked about this last time. There's not really much to hate about the Nuggets. You know, Jokic is a guy that kind of just grinds, puts his head down, plays plays hard, doesn't want to be part of the spotlight. Jamal Murray's a cool story coming out playing like Steph after having an injury and all that stuff. And then like the guys, just Aaron Gordon, KCP, just these hard nose MPJ, um, tough players and stuff. And then same thing with the with the the Heat, you know. Um, as from a Lakers standpoint, we beat the Heat in the finals, and I gained a lot of respect for Jimmy Butler in that series and and Duncan Robinson, who's had a resurgence, and Tyler Hero, who might be coming back, maybe game three. Haven't really seen. I heard I saw some rumors, maybe, but haven't seen anything official about Tyler Hero coming back. But um, just kind of a, it's a fun series in that sense. Where like, there's not not no team that I really hate, and and I'm kind of happy to see either team win. But I'm it's a it's a competitive, fun basketball series, and so it'll be fun to see how that shakes out. Game three is in Miami tonight, I think. So um, that'll that'll be fun. But impress. I mean, a lot of people are out there saying the Nuggets were going to get swept, or sorry, the Heat were going to get swept by the Nuggets. And I don't know. It's hard to sweep any team. Uh, that's how impressive the Nuggets were in sweeping the Lakers. You know, the Lakers, the Lakers didn't play bad. They didn't play great, but they didn't play bad. And like, they were they played well enough that they should have at least won one game, maybe even two. But the Nuggets were just that good against the Lakers in that series. Um, you know, maybe the Nuggets come out and win in five games. Maybe they figure things out after game two. And it seems like the Heat were their kind of game plan was just make Jokic score, but or let Jokic score. They don't let him facilitate, keep the rest of the team kind of out of things a little bit. Um and it seemed to work. You know, he ended the game Jokic ended the game with I'm trying to pull it up really quick. He ended the game with Pulling it up. My phone's moving, working a little slow. 
41 points, but only four assists. Jokic and the Nuggets seem like they're at their best when Jokic is around 27 points, 10 to 15 assists, and then like, you know, 10 plus rebounds. Jokic had 41 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. Um, Jamal Murray, 18 points, 10 assists, you know, decent game from him. The thing is, I, I tweeted about this. Let me just pull it up. So there's a bunch of people, Lakers fans especially, saying like, man, the Heat winning a game against the Nuggets really makes me feel, think differently about the Lakers or maybe think worse about the Lakers and stuff. And the thing is, like, the Nuggets just played out of their minds, you know? Um, MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., didn't have one game where he scored less than 14 points against the Lakers. He averaged 15 points on 42% 42 shooting from three. And I'm not saying that MPJ was the difference in the Lakers series because Jokic and Murray were incredible. They were really good. They hit a lot of big shots and stuff. But if the Nuggets get one game from Michael Porter Jr. like they got in game two of the finals where he had five points and he shot, what did he shoot? Um, One of six from three, two of eight from the field. uh, Yeah, for only five points, you know? Lakers win at least one or two games in the series if they get games like that for Michael Porter Jr. But instead, he didn't score less than 14 points in a game and shot 42% from three. So, you know, I just think the Lakers, at the very least, Lakers wouldn't have been swept. And, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, they just played really well. And so for the people that are out there saying that, like, dang, this really says a lot about the Lakers or this says a lot about the Lakers series, like, no, it doesn't. Not really. It just says that the Nuggets, like, if you just look back at it, the Nuggets played out of their mind. Aaron Gordon in game four had like 25 points or something. He shot like five for seven from three or like whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't five for seven, but he shot like, he shot incredibly well in, in game four. Like he, he, I'm pulling it up right now because I just need to know. He shot three for five from three, 22 points, nine to 14 for the field. Michael Porter Jr., 15 points. That was his worst shooting game where he went three for 10 from three, but he still had 15 points. Um, and then Jokic, you know, 30, 14, and 13. Murray, 25, and 3. The Lakers just didn't get a bad game from the Nuggets. Or the Lakers didn't, yeah, the Lakers didn't get a bad game playing against the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. And the Heat got a bad game from the Nuggets in Game 2. And they took advantage and got a road win, which is huge for them. So, again, for all those people out there saying that, like, this says a lot about the Lakers or makes them rethink the Lakers and how they were in the playoffs or whatever, it's like, no. Every series is different, right? Like, I don't think this Heat team is better than the Lakers necessarily. You know, I, 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 I would take LeBron and Anthony Davis over Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and then, you know, I would take I would take Austin Reeves over Duncan Robinson, right? Like you go player by player. I would take most of the Lakers players over, over the Heat players. Maybe with LeBron, in these playoffs, you take Jimmy Butler over LeBron just because he was kind of hurt and like old and whatever. But it's not that. It's not. It's not like it's a big difference, you know? Like, LeBron can, could, as you saw in Game 4, you know, he took over the game, had 40 points, and did whatever he could for the Lakers to win. Um, it's not a big difference, in my opinion. But there's an argument for LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves being better than the top three of for the Heat. So um, I don't think the Heat are a better team than, than the Lakers necessarily, but I do think that they got a better... They got a game against the Nuggets where the Nuggets weren't very good, or at least some of the players on the Nuggets weren't very good. So whatever. It is what it is. 
but I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, Lakers fans sometimes like to cry about dumb stuff and get to get worked up about dumb stuff. And like, let's just take it for what it was. You know, the Lakers didn't play terrible in the Western Conference Finals. Some players played pretty bad. Like D'Angelo Russell didn't play very well. But the Nuggets were just the better team and they played really well. And you go back to game two against in the finals and they just didn't play very well against the heat and the heat took advantage so and st- even then the heat almost lost i mean they only won by three so i don't know it is what it is so the last thing i was going to talk about was just a fun thing i noticed some some like twitter accounts like espn or sports center twitter accounts or mlb or whatever will do like chat gpt rankings who chat gpt thinks you know i saw the one i saw most recently was like who does chat gpt think are the best um the like the top 10 best baseball teams in the last 20 years or something like that and i took a screenshot of it trying to pull it up so i i went to chat gpt asked ai who i thought the best the top 10 best lakers players of all time are and here's what chat gpt had to say the la lakers have had numerous legendary players throughout their history while opinions may vary here's a list of 10 notable lakers players considering their impact and contributions to the team it's funny because they don't say like here are the top 10 best you know they, they keep it kind of vague but they had number one magic johnson number two kareem number three kobe number four Shaq, number five jerry west number six elgin baylor number seven wilt chamberlain number eight james worthy number nine george mikan and number 10 elgin baylor so they put elgin baylor twice so ai is a little bit dumber than most people like to give them credit for um so i'm curious who they would have you know maybe you throw do you throw in Paul Gasol in this top 10 do you throw him at number 10 i don't know maybe so it's interesting because i think it depends on how you rank it right i think kobe was probably the better player compared to like magic johnson but maybe there's something to be said legend like um legend wise or whatever for him being like the the first most popular laker player lifetime laker um you know uh magic walked so kobe could run kind of kind of idea but i mean magic magic has even come out himself and said that kobe is the greatest laker lakers player of, of all time you know so when you have like a certain and magic is a humble dude he is a he's a cool seems like a cool guy he is very much pro Lakers organization and all that good stuff. So, um, so maybe, you know, maybe he's just being a cool guy, but because he said that Kobe's best, I probably personally, I'd put Kobe number one. Maybe that's just my, I didn't grow up with the Showtime Lakers or didn't watch the Showtime Lakers live. So maybe that's why, but I'd probably go Kobe number one. Uh, maybe I'd go magic number two. I'd probably go Shaq number three. Then I'd go Kareem number four, and I know that that might be that might be a little bit controversial. The thing is, is like if you think about like Shaq versus Kareem one on one, Kareem Kareem is just too skinny. You know, Shaq was Kareem's height with with muscle, or you know, with body that he could go up against. So, um, I'd put Shaq three, Kareem four, Jerry West five, and then the rest of the way I kind of don't really i think it's probably fine you know maybe i put wilt over elgin but i do think at the end of the day you do have to have lebron in there in the top 10 you know he won a he won a championship for the lakers he's one of the top 
at least three best players to ever play the game. So I think he should be in the top 10 for sure. And I mentioned Pau Gasol at the beginning, but I kind of overlooked LeBron. I do think at the end of the day, even with only that one championship, you put LeBron in a top 10 Laker of all time as well. So kind of a fun thing. I kind of want to do like a more a more dedicated episode to this top 10 idea, maybe create a rubric a little bit better and see who I think it should be. But definitely just a fun exercise to see who AI thinks the best Lakers are. Um, and I think they have most of the right guys. Obviously, they put, they put Elgin on there twice. Maybe you take Elgin out, add in LeBron. But anyways, um, fun episode, fun fun week two of the offseason for the Lakers. Things are slowly rolling. Um, we'll touch a little bit more on the NBA draft, which is coming up in on June 22nd, I believe. Lakers have the 17th pick overall. So um, whether they trade it or use it to pick somebody, there's that's coming up pretty soon. So that'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do. But until then, thank you for listening and go Lakers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening and go Lakers. 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic... Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good!